0: Uh, the Hungarian, <laughs> Um, her name is um, Bernadette, forgive me my Hungarian pronunciation, Kolma. Kolma. Exactly. Uh, she is taking care of, um, the next topic, which is the origin of it. Yeah. The, the, the evolution, evolution of uh, the I don't know enough about you to introduce you any further, so the floor is yours.
1: Thank you. So, my presentation will be quite short and it's about the evolution of money. Uh, How something becomes a medium of exchange has always uh, attracted the attention of philosophers and people active in economic uh, science and uh, taking a closer look on how people exchange things, uh, it is natural for us that uh, somebody would give uh, away goods in exchange for something more useful to him, but uh, trading away goods for small metal discs uh, seem useless in themselves. Or for documents uh, representing uh, value, may seem mysterious for us. Uh, so, we can say that there is a curious interest in the nature of money and its uh, distinctiveness uh, compared to other objects of uh, trade throughout the history of mankind. And we can ask the following question like uh, Carmenger, how did money come about? Um, in Hungary, in primary schools, we start learning history at the age of 10, and we are carefully taught that uh, in the beginning uh, uh, there was barter, and then people invented money, and uh, that's all. Uh, and uh, as I was uh, doing my research on the evolution of money, I bumped into David Graeber, he's an American anthropologist, uh, and his book, The Debt. Uh, the first hundred years is the title of the book and... The first
2: 5,000
1: years. The first 5,000 years. Sorry. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, Hundred... uh, Yeah, Yeah, the first uh, 500 years. And uh, uh, he has an essay on the myth of barter and uh, in his uh, essay he Brings up a, a problem that uh, most of the mainstream books on economics uh, depicts a situation something like uh, this: Once upon a time, there was barter. It was difficult, so people invented money. Then came the development of banking and credit, and uh, that's it. Uh, on uh, <clears throat> this is kind of a chronological order on the order on the evolution of money. And this uh, process is, uh, seems that it is uh, so deeply established uh, in common sense that people can't really imagine any other way that uh, money put could uh, possibly have uh, come about. So there is a standard historical version on the origins of money, but um, anthropologists uh, try to point out uh, that there is something wrong with this uh, picture, and uh, I'd like to um talk about uh, this uh, problem and try to reveal the true uh history of the uh, evolution of money. Um kay. it's uh also um, common in the mainstream textbooks that uh uh they start their story with a fantasy world of barter. And the problem is, problem is that where to locate this uh, fantasy time? Are we talking about cavemen or uh, an undiscovered tribe living in the Amazon rainforest? And uh, uh, I've read a book uh, from um, Niall Ferguson, The Ascent of Money, and he uh, also starts uh, with the same thought. Uh, and uh, he but he brings the Inca empire as an example Um, that uh, they did not have a real concept of money Uh, but they uh, did have labor as a unit of account which is interesting that one of my friends told me that uh, in uh, prisons uh, uh, work like mopping the floor and uh, such uh, works has um, Kind of a value among prisoners, or they use a cigarette to trade. Um, actually, now I'm a kind of a newbie learner of economics, and uh, I have never ever given a second thought on how barter works and uh, worked and uh, how money evolved. And uh, now I'd like to. Uh, deal with a little uh, with uh, barter, the advantages and uh, disadvantages. Uh, we can assume yet assume that uh, at first there were some kind of no exchange economies. Uh, where basically people try to satisfy their own needs, and uh, then supposedly the emergence of uh, private property slowly transformed. Uh, no exchange economies to barter economy. Um, And uh, obviously the history of barter is uh, older than the recorded history of money. Just uh, think about it, the direct exchange of uh, certain services and uh, resources for mutual uh, advantage is intrinsic and uh, uh, Intrinsic to the symbiotic uh, relationship between plants, insects, and uh, animals, so it is not surprising that uh, barter is as old as uh, man himself. Uh, and what is interesting that this uh, kind of exchange uh, persists up to the present day. And the most important advantage of uh, barter is that no one parts with uh, value in return for uh, mere paper or token promises, uh, but uh, some worthwhile goods or services. On the other hand, uh, there are some disadvantages uh, we should take into consideration. There is the double coincidence of ones. uh, uh, It is an essential feature for barter. Um, Here is a standard example. Um, Impure barter. Uh, if the owner of an orchard having a surplus of apples wanted a (coughs) pair of boots, he had to find not simply a cobbler, but a cobbler who wanted uh, to purchase apples. Moreover, there remained the problem of uh, determining the rate of exchange. Um, Today, the essence of money is the ability that we can compare at a a glance the relative uh, values of any goods, and services and another obvious uh, drawback of uh, barter is the absence of uh, generalized or common standard of values and uh, we could continue on counting the disadvantages of the barter system and uh, as I was reading uh, Graeber's essay on the myth of barter something grabbed my attention that uh, uh, most of the mainstream uh, books uh, uh, leaves out uh, leaves out uh, an important fact, uh, namely that uh, uh, human beings are the participants of uh, this exchange, and they are in some kind of a relationship with each other. They can be rivals, uh, lovers, uh, friends, uh, and uh, this fact determines the conditions of exchanging goods. Um, and uh, it's possible that in small communities uh, everyone simply keeps track of who owes what to whom and um, uh, the other problem the exchange rate uh, maybe was uh, solved in uh, these barter economies in a rough and ready way uh, they established uh, maybe established a series of ranked categories of types of things so uh, there were certain things uh, that could be traded for others. I mean, for maybe for clothes, for spears. And uh, uh, anthropologists refer um, uh, to it as uh, spheres of exchange. And uh, they point out that maybe cross-cultural barter uh, uh, operated uh, according to similar principles. Um, one of the uh, interesting forms of barter is uh, dumb or silent, so-called silent barter, uh, where uh, direct or, and uh, possibly dangerous contact uh, was deliberately avoided by the participants. And uh, I'd like to talk about another form uh, of barter, which is called modern barter. Uh, this is associ- associated uh, with monetary crisis especially with uh, renovate, in case of runaway inflation and uh, sadly the world record for um, inflationary currency belongs to my homeland, uh, Hungary. Um, its note uh, in circulation grew from 12,000 million pangus in um, 1942 to 100 million bill pangus. And I'd like to show you a few pictures. This is uh, from the collection of my grandmother. He collected his, uh, this is pangu in Hungarian. Uh, so here we can see uh, 10 pangas from uh, 1933, six. And then a hundred pangers from nineteen forty-five, and then one billion pangers. And the the biggest was. Uh, 100 million bill penguins, and you can see with, uh, I don't know how many, zeros. And uh, after the inflation, you can see how many banknotes were on the streets. So this is my grandmother's <laughs> collection. And uh, my grandfather, when we visit him, he, al- he always tells us a story when... Uh, It's about when he was a young man. He went to the capital of uh, Hungary and exchanged um, half a pig that he carried um, with him in a processed uh, form in a huge suitcase. And he exchanged it for radio and uh, suit and uh, soap and many other useful things. And uh, then uh, uh, Peng uh, was... uh, so, we had then the forint after Pengu from uh, 1946. Okay, uh, so uh, I'd like to go back to the evolution of uh, money. Uh, one of the most important improvements over the simplest form of uh, barter and toward primitive money was the tendency uh, to select one or two particular items in uh, to others. These items were selected because of uh, their qualities although they still could be used for their prim- primary purposes. Uh, these items were chosen for a number of reasons. Uh, some because of they were conveniently stored and, um, and easily and uh, they were easily portable or some because they were more durable. Mm-hmm. And but uh, surprisingly, uh, barter was not, the, and the disadvantages of barter was not the main factor in the origins of the earliest uh, development of money. Uh, <clears throat> the most common non-economic uh, forces, uh, that which gave rise to primitive money, were the usage of bride money, blood money, ornamental and ceremonial use, and religious and uh, political use. And uh, later on, because of the widening functions of money, these roles began to uh, weaken or fade away. Uh, Actually, loving and fighting are the oldest uh, of men's activities. So it's not surprising that certain payments associated with uh, these are among the earliest forms of uh, money. Uh, and now I'd like to mention a kind of a linguistic evidence on um, the evolution of money, namely that uh, the etymology of the word pay, it's uh, from Latin, and it uh, pacare, and it means to pacify, to make peace. Experts actually disagree on where to draw the line between primitive and uh, modern money. Actually, it is in the nature of money that uh, such a distinction is almost impossible to make. Money can perform many functions. Therefore, as an institution, uh, money is almost infinitely adaptable. And uh, this helps to explain the varieties of origins and a number of different kinds of objects uh, that were used as uh, primitive money like amber, beads, kettle and so on, vodka. Um, and actually uh, I didn't mention cowries and uh, yeah, and kettle is there but quarries uh, and kettle were used long after the introduction of uh, coins and uh, banknotes. Um, While making my research I I read an interesting story about a boy from Nigeria who used to collect uh, lost quarries during the local fair days and if he managed to collect seven or eight uh, uh, quarries he could buy a meal or uh, something useful to play with. And he later became the first uh, professor of banking and finance at a university in Nigeria, and uh, an executive director of the Central Bank of Nigeria. Um, And uh, now I'd like to move on to the evolution of precious metal money. To primitive men emerging from the Stone Age, any kind of metal was uh, precious. The distinction between base and uh, precious metals became significant only after their skills as metallurgists had improved. And uh, they started to use uh, objects like uh, swords, uh, spears, axes as a kind of um, medium of exchange and it's uh, interesting that later on for example in China they uh, uh, created uh, replicas of uh, swords but uh, in a reduced size and uh, this was their first, uh, not, not the first, but they used it as a primitive money. Um, later on the rising civilization and the division of labor and its uh, natural consequence the gradual formation of uh, cities uh, resulted in diminishing the the marketability of uh, primitive monies and uh, increased the marketability uh, of metals in uh, use and uh, because of the uh, their easy extraction and uh, mailability of copper, silver, gold and in some cases in iron was uh, gradually used they became popular so they started to use precious metals to create coins okay. uh here are just a few examples of the first uh, coins in China and the Greek uh, drum if I pronounce it well and uh, it's interesting that these coins appear totally separately uh, on the different part of the word so finally uh we arrived at the appearance of coins and we can call it or some economists call it as a modern money. Uh, So basically we can see that uh, contrary to what Adam Smith says uh, that uh, money is the creation of the government. uh, We can see now that money is not the product of an agreement on the part of economizing men or the product of legislative acts. No one invented it Um, with the progressive development of uh, social economy. Money just uh, came to exist in numerous uh, centers of the civilization independently. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. I think Bernadette has different sources used here, um, like Niall Ferguson. The histor- there is a historian, Niall Ferguson. and is, is, is that a different person from the economist, Niall Ferguson?
3: No, it's the same person. It's the same. Yeah. And um,
0: the point that Bernadette was trying to make is that money is, in fact, a spontaneous, social, coordinated action by teleological, purposeful acting men, people. Which was the point. And it's never been, ever been, the creation of any authority. Now, that doesn't mean to say that we should be anti-authorities, because the role to play for an authority is still there? They could be the guarant, the people standing behind the mint, by st- standing as a surety for their um, fineness and their weight, and they would protect that jealously. If that was only their role, that could have been their role, but we know different from from. Um, um, medieval history. Unfortunately, um, they abused power to um, do some other things. Right. Rudy, do yeah, you have I, a, do we have questions? I, I disagree. Yeah. Wholeheartedly, the government has no role. It's private enterprise that will ensure the purity of the coin, and the marketplace will. And as soon as the government gets involved, the basement starts. And nobody can stop it because the government yes. has the gun. So, you know, I, I, I'm in I'm the manufacturing industry, the underwriter laboratories are not government-controlled. The insurance companies pay for them, and they make sure they devices are up to snuff. So private enterprise will always do better in government. I, government. I, I tried to make, I tried to give them a break, but there's a break. Up. Yes. <laughs> sorry about that. I disagree on
1: another ground. Uh, oh, you disagree. Oh, i so sorry. OK. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I think the first coins, uh, from what I know, were created uh, by the Libyan king uh, in Anatolia uh, because uh, the mercenaries, uh, the Greek mercenaries, uh, demanded equal pay. And that was the first demand of equal pay that we have recorded by Herodotus. And because they did not want to be um, given gold in general, and he had a lot of gold, uh, he had to cut coins of equal size, uh, equal weight, and stamps them with his own stamp so you have initially the, the um, involvement of the government immediately from the beginning of coins. Uh, so it is really very interesting how it says from well, uh, a means of equal pay and democratization of payment but
0: before he got involved there was a screw-up because they actually demanded equal pay which was, <laughs> well, it there. was
1: um, they were mercenaries they would have demanded a lot more if it wasn't that
0: so it's only after they put some, well, I would say gun, but in that case, a sword against his head or his neck that, they, that he complied. <laughs>
3: right. Um, okay. I see you, you put
2: up my private address. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do I get my
4: presentation?
0: I'll um, okay. we'll do that, after that. In the meantime, if you have a question, please address them. I'll
3: to me? Um, I'll be doing the origin of interest now uh, for, the, uh, for the remainder of, until the, the one hour question period at the end, um, so we'll just wait for my
0: lecture is this one?
3: Yeah. There we go. There we go. And...
2: Can I ask a question, um, something's yes. just come out, is the New Austrian School actually saying that uh, they don't agree with the idea of government having a role as a part to play in the issue of uh, whatever the currency is, whether it's coinage or, or paper money? Are you saying that it should simply be left to private uh, enterprise? As, as the
0: professor was saying, the manifesto is up for discussion.
3: Mm. Um, I would say yes, I, I would say yes, um, but I'm only a member. I think it would be unusual if the others didn 't say so, uh <laughs> because that 's where I get my opinion from, so um <laughs> I think most people would be having
0: by this stage have a mouthful or you know with, with authorities. I think we all have compliance was the word that Rudy used and. There's too much compliance. We have had a bellyful of regulations and a bellyful of, of authorities.
2: Had hundred years of socialisation, effectively. Uh,
0: that's the w- another big but, but word, socialisation. Yeah. Years ago, I mean, you
2: know, children were almost still in the mines and going up uh, chimneys. I mean, we had yeah. to have some
0: Was that to blame to, to the gold standard? i that not. No, we've had uh, politicians who've
2: basically been able to, to remain prudent with the control of the purse. Um, but, but we could go from one extreme to the other, and you know, what might be a danger is that we get the extreme of the complete opposite, going yeah. back to everything's got to be private, and we mustn't have any form of uh, looking after the poor members of society, and ensuring that children aren't... Uh, you know, I mean, if we could get one extreme to... Um, I, I agree with
3: all of that, sort of, you know, you have to be a good human being and, and whatnot, but... The problem with the state and, and and money is that if it comes to coinage, the state came in to just regulate the quality of the coinage. Let's just say they they did yes, that, certainly. you know, and that's fine, you know. You can you can do that, but then the impetus is to give that regulated coinage a name, like the denarius or something. So we've just given it a name, you know, and uh, there seems nothing wrong with that. But then the concept is to take the name as money rather than what it was the name of and and people are very easy to confuse well they weren't back then but now they are
1: on that basis
3: you know it's the name that's money or they want you to believe that the name is money and that's it's sort of like you know if an alcoholic is put in front of five bottles of whiskey you know it's just a temptation you know so the joke that I had was that I have a, a sovereign made by Coca-Cola, a gold sovereign, and it's exactly the same size as, as the sovereign that's made here. I have more faith in the Coca-Cola gold sovereign than the, uh, than the state sovereign, because they have to keep the quality of their coins high. You know, I mean, not only would it be a bad mark on then no one would buy their products or whatever, you know, so if, 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 the, if, the consu- if the shops and the retailers make provision for excellent coin themselves, then that's 99% of the problem solved. And throughout history they did actually do that, they created their own, they were only allowed to call them tokens though. So they are given a name to the shilling, but if you produced exact, something that's exactly the same as a shilling, you can't call it that though, which is which is the first step, you know, to, to to Armageddon, basically, you know. So we've had, we've had examples of when retailers have tried to introduce their, and it's all, all the coinage has always been superior. The retailers always produce superior coinage to to what the state can, because there's much more behind it than the state just doing something for the sake of doing it, for the sake of cohesion or whatever.
0: There is, in fact, an excellent book out by. Uh, Selgin. I think his name is George Selgin. He's an American Austrian, if you Mm. like. Never mind. He wrote an excellent book on the coin circulation in England uh, 150 years ago, 200 years ago. Um, I'm trying to remember the name or the title, but if 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 you Google George Selgin and coins in Britain... Um, you'll, you'll end up on on, um, on on the topic, and that is exactly the point that Sandeep is making. It is natural, or it was and still is natural for the coin makers of Manchester, where there was a scarcity of proper coin to make their own tokens of high quality, and they circulated for a good reason. Whilst the the I think it was called a fartling, I'm not sure with all the names that the British use for, for, for their coins, but they were in, in dear, there was a dear, th- very little supply, and they're very worn, and, and, and whatever replaced that money, b- issued, issued by, by the people themselves, that circulated.
1: So there are, precedents like, yeah, for there are
3: precedents for this, but they were quickly sort of hit, and sort of said, well, you can't do it. You can't even call it a token. Just to stop it. You know. I mean, uh, you're getting in our way. And uh, there,
0: there is good reason f- for um, authority to intervene if if they behave, and that's always the question. Um, yes, professor.
4: If I may add my penny of wisdom to this, this is a diversion, always. right? Mm. Always. Okay. <laughs> so we are. I think we all agree that the greatest invention of humans was the invention of the wheel. I think it's a pretty uncontroversial statement. So the question is, what was the second greatest invention, Well here's the answer. <laughs> it was very similar to the first, because it's also round, <laughs> it has to be, and that's the coin. And this was actually, we can fix the time, 500 B.C., right, mm-hmm. in the country, Libya. That's, well, that's the yeah. point that um, yeah. okay. Professor was making. It. So you can read up on this. But, here's something, this is my favorite pastime, etymology, the analysis of the meaning of the words. The English word, tale, has several meanings, and I am not referring to the conventional meaning such as in fairy tale, but as a verb, you have that combination, exchanging by tale.